welcome to Vincent Jeremy's Overrated Podcast, the show that critics are calling the feel-good podcast of the summer. I'm Jeremy Waugh, the man critics are calling the feel-good podcaster of the year. And I'm Vince Staden, the man critics are calling Vince Staden. On this edition of the show, we wonder why offensively bland 80s popsters Wet 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 insisted on having their hit singles begin with a very loud and very vulgar belch. Sick of leaving in the morning Baffling, yet also strangely erotic. We also query the sincerity of bosses who insist that their door is always open, particularly those that work in high security industries. That's right. I know. This edition of Vince and Jeremy's Overrated Podcast, the show critics are hailing the feel-good podcast of the decade, is sponsored by Pot Noodle, because they've at last taken up my suggestion to use the Grateful Dead in all their branding. Come on, it was more than just a suggestion, more like insistence, or what is more commonly known as a threat. And why do you want the Grateful Dead to be all over the branding of pot noodles, the tasty, time-saving instant noodle snack which comes in a variety of flavours? Well, because the Grateful Dead very famously did a lot of guitar noodling and smoked absolute shitloads of pot. You put the two together, you get pot noodle. The tasty, time-saving instant noodle snack critics are calling the feel-good, tasty, time-saving instant noodle snack of the summer. Fair enough. The Grateful Dead played at Woodstock, which celebrates its anniversary in the month we are recording the show. That's right. I know. So peel off your sweat-stained caftan, roll up a fat one, and put a flower in your hair as we roll back half a century and go to Woodstock. The Open Air Music Festival, critics called the Feel Good Open Air Music Festival. And here's the first song. Is it a feel good song? No. Now shut up and let me eat my pot noodle. Coming in from London from over the pole, flying in a big airliner, chicken flying. Touch my bags if you please, Mr. Customs Man. Yeah, it's a guy with a ticket to Mexico. No, he couldn't look much stranger. Walking in a hall with his things and all. Smiling said he was the Lone Ranger. Coming into Los Angeles. Bringing in a couple of my bags if you please Mr. Customs Man Coming into Los Angeles by Arlo Guthrie, the uh, son of uh, Woody Guthrie, mm-hmm. the famed sort of uh, dust bowl, uh, sort of folk, sort of protest singer, you know, that uh, 
Bob Dylan revered. Anyway, that was his his son Arlo Guthrie, and he uh, played on the first day of Woodstock. Yes, um, he's uh, you see him arrive in the film, uh-huh. but you uh, don't we don't actually see his performance in the film. Did we hear any of it? Uh, coming into Los Angeles, we do, uh, don't we? I don't know. Oh, okay. Maybe a snippet. I don't yeah. know. It's a great song. It is a great song. Yeah, he was the uh, he was the eighth act oh. on the first day, and he was on at around about sort of five to twelve in the evening to half past roughly half past twelve. Good weather that day. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the rain didn't come until no. a little later than that. Um, yeah, a very good song. Yeah, a song that I kind of first became aware of through the through I think probably through the soundtrack of uh, Woodstock, which I had. Oh. Well, I had. They had two. They made two soundtrack albums. One released in 1970, uh, the same time the film was re- 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 uh, released, oh. and then there was a Woodstock Two soundtrack, which was released in 1971. And I'm, uh, that's the one I had. Right. Uh, some of the <coughs> some of the artists on the original soundtrack aren't there. They refuse to have their stuff yeah. uh, put on. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so Woodstock, 50 years old. Yes. Uh, the 15th of August, 1969, yeah. Uh, yeah. in New York. Yeah. So it's a week week tomorrow. We are on the 7th today as we record this. Yes. Uh, and there was going to be a 50th sort of uh, celebration Woodstock event. Yeah. At Woodstock, but that inexplicably, inexplicably been cancelled. Yeah. The guy who, uh, who rang uh, was uh, sort of the uh, organizer of the first. Mm. Uh, show Michael Lang his name is Yeah, uh, he was due to be uh, he'd run a couple of other Woodstocks as well one in 1999 and one in 1994 oh right so that's 25 years and yeah. 30 years uh, he was due to be running this one but um, uh, the last I heard he was adamant it was going to go ahead but obviously it hasn't right so yeah. it's a bit like Brexit <laughs> so Woodstock means Woodstock and there's a, a, a no deal Woodstock yeah. all sorts of things well so if Michael Lang if you're listening and you care to tr- ne- renegotiate with Brussels for us <laughs> yeah then, uh, feel free um, Arlo Guthrie so his dad's Woody his yeah. name's Arlo yeah what are they like the names in this family the Guthries yeah he's got a sister called Nora Nora Guthrie yeah that's quite nice yeah, yeah. Uh, Nora Batty <laughs> Nora <laughs> Guthrie. Um, I don't know anything about him uh, what's he done then, Arlo? Is he? Uh, well, I was looking at his discography. He's made. He's continued to make records right the way through from sort of 1967 to, to almost the present day. And I had a record called. Um, I bought in a, a genuine junk shop in the, you know, like a uh-huh. proper junk shop, not a charity shop, but a junk shop, you know, uh, back in the 80s. And I saw was in there looking through some records, and I saw this, and it was a bright yellow cover with him on the front, called Alice's Restaurant. Alice's Restaurant, of course, yeah. yeah I remember so that. there's a long side one is the the whole Alice's Restaurant uh, Mascari, it's called mm-hmm. Mascari. Uh, it's a sort of a, like a walking sort of blues story, really. Yeah. So that's okay, but there were a handful of really good songs on the other side, uh, and then I got into the Woodstock soundtrack and heard coming into Los Angeles and then got a greatest hits well I say greatest hits a best of probably of Guy Guthrie and there were some just some good tracks on there including this one anything you'd recommend um there was a good track called uh, Chilling of the Evening Chilling of the Evening okay yeah yeah. Uh, Jeremy recommends Arlo Guthrie Chilling of the Evening when Jeremy recommends these I go away and listen to them uh, because he's sort of expanding my and let's right. face it somebody has to yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we post them up on social media and sometimes people will uh, say oh that's good 
Uh, chilling in the evening. Chilling of the evening. Oh, of the evening. It's not like chilling in the sense of wrapping. No. <laughs> it's the temperature of the evening. Okay, the chilling, or so the it, the temperature's dropping. Yeah. Like yeah. now. It's not, it's, they're not uh, chilling in the back in there. Ten, five to nine, and it's getting quite cool. Okay. As, a, as opposed to chilling in their crib, in their crib, you know, if you're a rapper. Right. You know. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 I was thinking of uh, the Victorian police detective crib. I was wondering what you were uh, Okay, Arlo Guthrie, uh, sister of, uh, he's got a sister called Nora and a dad called Woody. Woody. Yeah. What is he? Is he first rate, second rate, third rate or fourth rate? Uh, I'm going to say uh, second rate. Second rate? Yeah. Second rate. Okay, now I've got a board. Uh, called the poorly constructed overrated board and on it it's got first rate second rate third rate fourth rate and i put the names down because this is what the show is yes yeah this yeah. is what we do yeah you go through uh, every single artist there's ever been yes and there will ever be and you rate them i do and uh, for the uninitiated mm -hmm. we generally rate play five songs uh two two choices each and then we always finish the show with a Beatles song mm -hmm. the Beatles are up on high uh, they're unrateable the gods yeah and but uh, everybody else is fair game exactly. and your mission in life is to rate them all yes. every one of them yeah and uh, you know it's a handy little guide uh, we should give them out to people so when they have conversations <laughs> like uh, someone say could say I saw badly draw drawn board the other day hadn't seen him for a while and you could uh, they could whip out the overrated board and say <laughs> yeah he's uh, third rate <laughs> couldn't they yeah we, we I mean maybe we should them. yeah we need to uh, market an overrated <laughs> app <laughs> the overrated app yeah. where you, uh, you click on a, an artist's name and find out what they are rated by you <laughs> maybe a thumbs up or three thumbs for third rate I don't know um, you've done about a hundred so far haven't you yeah, I'm looking at the board I have here. <laughs> no signs of stopping. <laughs> no, there? no. Only How do you sleep, Jack? <laughs> <laughs> With one eye open. <laughs>
tears from the exits Search like casting For faults in the clouds of delusion Shall we go? You Grateful Dead, I looked around to see if there's a the, and it's, it appears and disappears. It's Grateful Dead sometimes, the Grateful Dead at other times. Really irritating. Another thing that really irritates me about them. Um, they played on day two, quite late in the night. They were followed by Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. So you might have hung around just for that, but yeah. I couldn't have sat through Incidentally, the um, Grateful Dead set. The Queen's Clearwater Revival didn't make it onto the soundtrack because John Fogerty didn't deem their performance good enough to make the film or the soundtrack album. Yeah. But it's going to get a uh, release later this month. Good, I'm looking forward to it. Um, Did they do uh, Down on the Proud Mary, that kind yeah, of Yeah, that sort of stuff. Ever Seen the Rain? Uh, it's 1969, so there are only, uh, only sort of three albums of material, I think, at that stage. Well, anyway, well, the reason we're talking about um, Queen's Clearwater Revival is because we don't really want to talk about Grateful Dead, who are uh, a bit boring, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, we've just, um, well, the track you've just heard is a track called uh, Dark Star. Dark Star, yeah. And, it's uh, their most famous track. Is it? Yeah. Oh it's the God. one everybody goes on about. It's the, it's the Grateful Dead song. Yeah. Mm. And uh, it encapsulates everything I don't like about the Grateful Dead. Yeah, which well, is everything. Yeah, basically. Yeah. It's just... Uh, uh, and hence why you know they are now the sort of poster boys for uh, as far as I'm concerned for the for you know for Golden Wonders pot noodle yes as explained I, earlier yeah, as explained earlier and yeah uh, they do a lot of noodling they do noodling in the sense of uh, looking down <laughs> on your guitar as you go on for three hours doing a particular riff yeah and your bass player's looking down as he's doing his riff I think it's the, the only it's only the sort of music you would put on if you were um chemically yes if uh, you had some chemical a chemical assistance to help yeah. you appreciate it it's not the sort of stuff you just put on and casually listen to regular listeners to this show will know i set a sort of high uh, store store mm-hmm. um against um you know uh, three minute pop songs melody yeah uh immediacy etc etc and something that drags on for 11 hours <laughs> okay. um, actually that's a four slip 11 minutes i meant but i yeah. said 11 hours <laughs> <laughs> well um and as regular um podcast listeners will know because they probably favor me over you um um i uh, I, I don't mind long songs in fact i'm quite fond of quite a few of them uh Stuff like uh, Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven or uh, the Eagles' uh, Hotel California. Not small, you know, short and snappy songs, yeah. uh, but they're great. Uh, what they have, though, is good stuff in yeah. them, yeah. <laughs> uh, which uh, Dark Star, yeah. along with the rest of the oeuvre yeah. of the Grateful Dead, uh, don't, because it's just just a load of 
noodling, noodling going on and on and on without any sort of uh, variation or interest. So uh, on the on the night that there were the uh, when they played at Woodstock, which was day mm-hmm. two, as you think you've already said, yeah. Um, their set was caught, uh, um, cut short by a, te- mm. a technical fault. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm doing He's that. doing the, um, <laughs> the inverted commas thing. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. If you, you want think that was deliberate sabotage <laughs> to get them off because they were boring. They were probably stoned out of their heads. These uh, kids in the audience watching this, going, "Yeah, man." Uh, the, the Grateful Dead have a, have a quite a big following. Uh, they call themselves Deadheads. Yes. Uh, funnily enough, so do people who follow the film Evil Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so the Evil Dead and the Grateful Dead. Disgu- uh, who's who's better? <laughs> Discuss. Uh, <laughs> Don Henley uh, has a great line in uh, Boys of Summer. Yeah. I saw a dead head sticker on a Cadillac. Yeah. You can't go back. You can never go back. <laughs> Which is uh, brilliant, isn't it? Because yeah. it sort of uh, sums up 69. Yeah. You put uh, your dead head sticker on your Cadillac, but you can't go back there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen King, he's a big fan. Of the Grateful Dead? Of the Grateful Dead. Oh, right, okay. Do you know he's in his own band, Stephen King? I don't oh, know okay. what they're called, but uh, he is actually a good guitarist, and he's in the band. Uh, so, uh, what do you think of them? Uh, Grateful Dead, are they first, second, third... Or fourth rate? Uh, I'm third rate. Third rate. That's generous. I thought you were going to say fourth rate. You shocked me there. Yeah, yeah, no, third rate. Third rate. Third rate. You don't like anything they've ever done. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I'm prepared to sort of, you know. You're being generous, are you? Yeah. Okay, all right. He's in a gregarious mood. So (laughs) it bodes well for. Um, all the other artists on this show Dark Star that yeah. song yeah. Uh, inspired John Carpenter's first film okay. Dark Star alright oh, ok so something di- good did come from uh, Grateful Dead Jerry Garcia uh, diabetic but he slipped into a diabetic coma for three days very near to the end of his life who oh, Jerry Garcia Jer- Jerry Garcia yeah. died yeah. in 84 I think uh, no he died in 95 oh 95 yeah I've just shaped 11 years off his life sorry Jerry <laughs> yeah um, well you know that's payback isn't it <laughs> 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 um, so uh, they are the very definition of overrated they've got a huge acclaim huge following everybody rates them apart from me and you they're <laughs> overrated the uh, Grateful Dead yeah uh, who else is overrated um, I would say uh, Oasis. Yeah, we've gone on a bit about them in the yeah. past. They yeah. are vastly overrated. Yes. Yeah. Way above their uh, technical level and what they've actually achieved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Brett as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> okay. Controversial, I know, but I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan. He's absolutely sensational in that very first series, The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, 1984. Right. Um, yeah. And the subsequent two hour version of The Sign of Four. Um, and from then on, I'm afraid, for me, he's sort of not very good. He's a very hammy, very theatrical. There's a lot of ticks and um, motions that uh, really annoy me. Mm. Um, just feels a lot, uh, very arch and not into realism of yeah. the performance. Yeah, yeah. And of course, he got very ill 
um, and they bloated out the stories and uh, I think it just went drastically downhill but you cannot say a word of that <laughs> to any Holmes fan no for they will kill you yeah he is uh, untouchable yeah there are um, a lot there are a lot of artists like that I'm thinking mm-hmm. maybe the clash yes we've uh, already yeah. discussed the clash but yes they are way overrated aren't they yeah music snobos journalists particularly yes. put them in such high regard yeah I'm thinking in particular Stuart McConey yeah yeah and his y- and his year zero bollocks yeah it's rubbish it's just <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's you know it's nonsense the Clash just aren't that good no are they no they're not no they're not in the league of the greats like uh, like Arlo Guthrie <laughs> um, who else is overrated uh, Frank Sinatra Controversial, Whoa. I know, <laughs> yeah. uh, but and you could, obviously he was uh, an extraordinarily good singer. Yes, but the best ever, you know, the, the way the acclaim this man gets. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I mean, there was a time when I really, uh, really didn't uh, rate him at all, mm. and that's sort of wavered slightly because I there were one or two performances I really like and I really listen to, you know, to hear. Because they're going about his, he's he's famous for his sort of phrasing and his his breathing and his performance, isn't he, in songs? And, Is um, he? And uh, it's just interesting to listen to performances and how he sings stuff. But uh, yeah, I think he does generally get. Um, he wasn't that good an actor for a start. Was he? No, he was okay. He wasn't very, you know, as good as uh, he thought he was. And uh, as a singer, I mean, obviously there are some standards that nobody will do any uh, better than him. Yeah, um, and some little gems in there as well. Yeah, and some of if you, yeah, as you say, you put on a, a, a live performance, say, or one of the early records, which is a collection of kind of that lounge, yeah, yeah, late night bar th- thing. It's great. Yeah, but as good as everybody says he is, I don't know. No, not for me. Another artist, uh, definitely overrated. That's Tom Jones. Oh yeah. Oh my God! Yes, Tom Jones. Tom yeah. Jones is, is. I would have to say. I mean, I. Uh, I would say his new t- Tom Jones is the luckiest man in showbiz. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, he's basically dined out on about four chat, four decent, four. And I say decent. You know. Yeah. Uh, it's not unusual. Yeah. Uh, Delilah. Delilah. The, the one he did with the art of noise is it, uh, in the eighties. Kiss. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Although that was slightly cringeworthy because he was well in his forties then, and he's wearing leather trousers and yeah, going. going <laughs> yeah, he, he he had this self-made image of a sex symbol. Yeah, the sweaty Welsh man. But he did make an or any he, he repeatedly went on and on and on about his relationship. You know, being friendly with Elvis in yeah. Las Vegas, and he did make an awful lot of dross in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah. He somehow. Uh, some sort of he's, he's a national treasure mm. and you know the sweaty Welshman uh, luckiest man in show business yeah somehow got himself to be an overrated national treasure he's, he's a sir it's a travesty well, he? yeah he is a travesty he's a <laughs> sir isn't he is he, he is really sir, he is sir, sir Tom, Tom Jones he is. is good lord can you think of any others uh, well a couple of albums I think are over, over, overrated first of all Sgt Pepper's Lonely Heart Club Band Whoa. he's overrated no, it's not enough. the best album the Beatles did by a long chalk uh, three or four others are better than that um, and the White Album definitely everybody goes on and on and on about how great it is but it's got crap on there like uh, Honey Pie 
and uh, Bungalow Bill and uh, uh, Piggies. Oh, yeah. Just really bad. I mean, they're not good in any sense. Um, Trout Mask Replica by Captain Beefheart. Oh, yeah. Uh, although we love Captain Beefheart because uh, of his response to uh, Bono. Bono. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we don't, uh, we sort of give him a, a bit of leeway because yeah, that we've made got us affection laugh. for him. But Trout Mask Replica is often. It's unlistenable. Yeah, it's often referred to as a sort of work of genius, and mm. um, I just uh, can't can't see that. Never mind the bollocks by the Sex Pistols. Okay. It's just like a just sort of a load of nihilist crap uh, with too much energy by people who don't really know what they're doing. And, you know, a, a couple of songs stood the test of time because they were okay, like No Future or... Uh, no Future? Mm. Oh, Anarchy in the UK. Oh, Anarchy in the UK, yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, otherwise, just forgettable rubbish to be... I don't understand why punk is held in such regard. Mm. Um, what else? The Joshua Tree by our old friends U2. Oh, yeah. Do you know what's on that album? Um, no, well, because nobody can remember, because they're all the U2 songs sound exactly like any other U2 song of that era. I remember when they came back with the album, it was big news, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, I think they had an album before called Boy or something, or War or whatever and then they did the Joshua Tree which had all these hits Ages, still yeah. can't find what I'm looking for and uh, where the streets have no name yeah they were big hits in America yeah yeah and uh, they had all those movies made about them in, in Rattle, black and white and rattle and hum oh god almighty in black and white yeah. uh, and that all that bollocks about uh, Charles Manson Charles Manson stole this from the Beatles we're stealing it back mm. that's the sort of bollocks grandstanding I hate about Bono yeah that is exactly the kind of thing that uh, <laughs> gets my goat about uh, the uh, overrated Irishman. I've been waiting my time just to talk to you. You've been looking all down at the mouth and down at your shoes. your room Then at night you've been watching the dark side of the moon You don't talk to nobody if they don't talk to you So buddy and me came here to sing you a tune
Okay, so that was uh, Rainbows All Over Your Blues by John Sebastian, or John B. Sebastian, and that's off his first uh, solo album from 1970. Um, he famously played at Woodstock, mm-hmm. uh, although he wasn't due to play, but he uh, got wind of the fact that this festival was going on, and he just sort of went up there just to hang out. Yep. Uh, the, uh, when there was a downpour and the, ele- the equipment went down, um, he was asked to step in and just keep the crowd entertained. That's right. Um, After Santana. And um, so he, he borrowed an acoustic guitar of Tim Harding, and um, Tim Harding, rather, mm-hmm. and uh, went out there and entertained the crowd. And um, I'm not sure how long he played for. I'm not sure what he actually played. But, uh, yeah, so he was kind of... Well, he, he was on day two, the Saturday... Okay, and apparently he played immediately after Country Joe McDonald while they were trying to set up Santana's set. Right. Okay. And the rain came down. Yeah, yeah. But he didn't play a set in his own right. I think he just stepped in. Well, there's some controversy whether that actually happened and whether he played on the Friday at some point after Richie Havens. Right. Okay. So, God knows. But anyway, that. Uh that track, uh, Rainbow All Over Your Blues, uh, is on his first solo album, as I've just said. Mm-hmm. What's uh, it called? Uh, just called John B. Uh. Sebastian. And it's an album I had, I've had since the mid 80s. And uh, it's got some great tracks on it. And it's got sort of David Crosby's on there, I think. Oh, album, is he? And also Graham Nash as well. Right. There's some really nice songs on there. And uh, I'm recommending another one off that album called Magical Connection. Magical Connection yeah. uh, by John B. Sebastian. Uh, Jeremy recommends. Good, I shall seek it out. Uh, you told me earlier that he had a, a hit with something called Welcome Back in yeah. the 70s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was a. Uh, it was a theme tune to a TV, TV uh, probably John Travolta's sort of TV break, a uh, tr- uh, show called Welcome Back Cotter, mm-hmm. which is set in New York or in Brooklyn. That about passed a me by, I don't remember that at And uh, Cotter is the teacher. Who ah. comes back to the neighbourhood to teach, and he's got this class full of sort of wisecracking <laughs> Italian Americans. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> one of which is uh, John Travolta. John Travolta, yeah. Who plays Cotter? Uh, I'm not sure. Can't think of the actor off the okay. top of my head. We'll but it was a big out. hit. The show was a big hit, and that theme tune that John Sebastian recorded uh, was number one in 1976. Right. In America. So, okay, then let's do the thing. Uh, John B. Sebastian. First, second, third, or fourth? I'm going to call him first rate. First rate. Okay, yeah. Uh Because obviously he was in the Loving Spoonful as well, and he was the chief songwriter in the Loving Spoonful. Yeah, we won't rate them because uh, I've got them lined up for another show. Yeah. Uh, but because by association, and he's just a great, uh, you know, good musician, good songwriter. So yeah, first rate for me. First rate. Yeah. Uh, so we watched the Woodstock movie uh, last month, yeah. uh, and I hadn't seen it in 20 years at least. Yeah. I think I saw it at school, to be honest. Oh, right, okay. Um, and um, one of the things that struck me was that you could spot people before they, you know, because there was lots of shots of people setting up equipment oh, yeah. or coming into the crowd or whatever, yeah. and then you went, ooh, that's John B. Sebastian at one point. Oh, yeah. Uh, just because you'd seen the back of the head. I know, uh, yeah, It's yeah. a skill you've got of being able to identify. I think it comes from the fact, I mean, I saw the film, I've probably only ever seen that film once, mm. and that was probably getting on for 30 years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And um, I had the soundtrack album, as I've said before, and I just got kind of 
just sort of au fait with the yeah who, who played and what they look like. I mean, it's kind of my sort of uh, the era I really love the most. You know, mm. sort of sixties into seventies. So yeah, I can understand a, that. You could spot a few people in the sort of that that don't actually who were there but didn't sort of didn't appear uh, you know on the album or yeah. on the soundtrack but that's all being put right now because uh, Rhino Records are releasing a definitive well they're releasing the usual sort of condensed version but they're they're, re- 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 they're releasing a full version uh, the absolute sort of ultimate version of the Woodstock uh, soundtrack including which is going to be 38 CDs apparently <laughs> and Every act that would take you full, a year. Their full, s- the full set of every act that played. Wow! So uh, thirty-seven of them are uh, one song by uh, Grateful Dead, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, well, Rhino Records. Never heard of them. Yeah, they do a lot of reissues. They just do a lot of. They're really good at re- uh, doing sort of reissues. Okay. So if they get licensed, uh, you'll find that they'll do a really good yeah. package, and they'll do a lot of. Um, unreleased stuff and outtakes and stuff like that they all they they do uh good stuff you know uh the movie itself which we uh snacked through yeah uh, <laughs> well three and a half hours wasn't it, it? it was quite tedious hours. there were long periods of uh watching uh acts that just went on and on and on and on yeah. without much interest or anything happening uh like 10 years after 10 years after we're quite difficult to sit through yeah there was Joe Cocker and I really can't stand him yeah could so. he could he be overrated yeah he definitely is overrated <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't get that at all um, and obviously some really good highlights uh, Cosby Stills and Nash mm. we'll talk about in a bit yeah um, so some of the music was good but what was very interesting was watching um, the reactions of because uh, this film is a basically a documentary shot on location at Woodstock while it was happening yeah and they went out to the local towns and villages around uh, the farm yeah um, and talked to the older generation who were witnessing all this happen yeah and in this brilliant sunshine and lovely atmosphere they were very very nice they, they were, were. I was what struck me there wasn't anybody who was um, they didn't see you always talk about a generation gap, but mm. they seemed to get it, didn't they? Yeah, they they they, they may be a, a bit baffled by what was happening, but they were very supportive. They were giving them food and water yeah. and uh, clothing, uh, dry clothing and shoes and things, and going out of their way to be as uh, helpful as possible. Having and read charming, I mean, having read some information, having read some articles recently about Woodstock, you know, the, the overall. Uh, the overall sort of feeling was that it, there was a real sort of uh, community sense mm. there. There was no sort of violence report, violence reporting. Yeah. People were sharing what food they had. Mm. Uh, it was a really, you know, a good atmosphere, um, mm. sort of festival. You know, as you know, uh, the antithesis really of um, what happened later in the year at Altamont. Altamont, you know? yeah, yeah. Which, Christ, which turned into a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was uh, also very interesting to hear the uh, tannoy announcements. You know, uh, can so and so go to the uh, to the uh, telephone and phone their <laughs> mum? Yeah. And then, uh, if you're taking a certain amount of acid, yeah, we we, <laughs> we recommend you stay away from this brand and yeah. take another brand because we've heard it's not very good. So yeah, treat stay, well. <laughs> yeah, stay yeah, or stay away from the curry flavored pot noodle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. I mean, you wouldn't get that uh, 
um, today. You would not get tannoy announcements telling you which grade LSD to take is the safest. Then there was a brilliant bit. As you, nowadays, you get some officious uh, uh, health and safety executive <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a high-vis jacket, <laughs> wouldn't you? Probably. <laughs> uh, uh, there was also a brilliant bit where um, the logistics of this event were... Just a, a, they had a little window on what was happening, and there were all these cubicles and latrines that they were being, yeah. and they had to be cleaned. Yeah. And there was a guy whose job it was at Woodstock to yeah. clean the latrines at Woodstock. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, "Yeah, you know, well, it's a job." And I don't know, I don't know what they're doing these kids, but yeah. someone's got to clean the toilets. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I thought that was great. Yeah. And amazing as well, you know, there was all, you know, twenty or thirty miles. Uh, there were traffic jams twenty or thirty miles to the site. Uh, getting to the site yeah and people were just abandoning their cars and walking uh, yeah and um, famously uh, who was it Joni Mitchell I don't know she didn't get there did she yeah she couldn't get there because of a traffic uh, jam yeah, or but she wrote Wood, the track Woodstock yeah about Which, about not getting to Woodstock yeah <laughs> <laughs> and most of the acts you know flew in you know in, by helicopter mm. you know yeah for use of uh, yeah that was interesting you see these helicopters landing in the distance and then you see you know Janice Joplin or whatever get out and walk yeah. up to something else I read as well uh, some of them uh, look so stoned yeah. the acts didn't they oh yeah yeah god Abby Hoffman right the uh, yeah political activist the activist he um, the Who were playing yeah apparently, and he got on stage uh, to sort of give a lecture so an, 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 an uninvited lecture on um, something that was yeah. going on uh, whatever bullshit was in his head at the time uh, and um Pete Townsend booted him off the stage <laughs> and okay. said, "You know, I'd always been to- told, you know, that the uh, stage is like a sort of the sanctity of the stage for the performers, you know." Oh. And uh, he, I, he said, I, "I probably agreed with some of what he was saying." Yeah, but uh, he sort of invaded the space, so he got, yeah, he fair got enough. Whacked off the stage with a, his guitar, I think. I, I agree with Pete. <laughs> um, I think Abby Hoffman had a lot of good things to say, but as you say, you can't really do it <laughs> in the middle of the who set, can you? No, no. Um, interesting thing about the movie was uh, the editor was Thelma Shoemaker, right? Um, and I, I was quite surprised to see that in the credits. Uh, but one of the assistant directors was uh, Martin Scorsese, right? Yeah. So yeah. and yeah, he subsequently yeah. used her for yeah, for I think every film he's made. I think I, I'm not sure if it's every film, but practically all of them. Yeah. Um, oh, and she an editor? Yes, she's right. a film editor and yeah, yeah. Uh, really helps cut uh, a narrative together. Yeah. And the editing in the Woodstock is excellent, isn't it? When you've got the split screens and. Yeah, it, you know. in fact, it didn't win an Oscar. Ah, well, there you are. Uh, I've got a feeling it was either nominated or won an Oscar. Right. Uh, the soundtrack album, I think, won awards as well. But uh, it certainly was nominated in 1970. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, three and a quarter hours is probably pushing it. Uh, interesting to see it though interesting to see it yeah, yeah no, uh, there are definitely some good p- vibes from the film uh, it's very much in the vein of sort of uh, Give Me Shelter yes uh, which is the film about the Rolling Stones American US tour yeah. and then ending culminating in uh, Altamont mm. and before that the film uh, Monterey Pop yes um, which I want to get a copy of really um, I don't know if I've ever seen that which is very good um, which is probably the earliest sort of festival really Mm. There was the human being in um, in uh, Golden Gate yeah, Park in January right. 1967, and then there was Monterey in June 67. Mm. 
but uh, yeah so Woodstock in 69 yeah. I went to what is the Doctor Who fans call the equivalent of Woodstock <laughs> which was uh, Longley in 1983 <laughs> <laughs> uh, were there traffic jams 30 miles there were There's, uh, honestly there were the BBC were expecting a couple of thousand at most 25,000 people turned up Wow, that yeah. was the year of the three doctors, right? Five doctors. Five doctors. They just killed two doctors. No, there was a three doctors, though. Yeah, that was in ten years earlier, in 1973. Right, okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a two-day event over Easter, 1983. Yeah. Um, Doctor Who experience was uh, what is termed by geeks like me, the R. Woodstock. <laughs> <laughs> It was a hot afternoon, the last day of June, and the sun was a demon. The clouds were afraid, one tin in the shade, and the pavement was steaming. I told Billy Ray in his red Chevrolet. I needed time for some thinking I was just walking by When I looked in her eye And I swore it was winking She was 31 And I was 17 I knew nothing about love She knew everything I sat down beside her on her front porch swing And wondered what the coming night would bring uh, The MILF song, as I call it, by Bobby Goldsborough But another hit with um, Honey uh, Honey. Honey, that's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is a, a song about his uh, little girl dying, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah. Right. Anyway, um, so this was uh, a song I used to hear on Radio 2. When I first, I got the very first time I got my uh, a radio, Yeah. personal radio with headphones, I used yeah. to listen to stuff on Radio 2 late at night. Um, and this was one of the very first songs I remember hearing and uh, listening closely to the lyrics. Yeah. And then pondering about it for days and thinking oh I get it he's you know got his leg over with this older woman right okay this is a, basically a song about a young man 17 years old a virgin yeah who meets a woman uh, who's up for it yeah seduces him and they have sex okay yeah so uh, looking at the uh, lyrics what's your uh, immediate problem well the first immediate problem is this uh, Billy Ray character yeah in the second verse uh, it reads, I told Billy Ray in his red Chevrolet I needed time for some thinking, right? Okay. So that throws up all sorts of questions. Is he unable to think in <laughs> Billy Ray's Chevrolet and he needs to exit the car in order to get his brain into gear? Is that a kind of uh, thing all philosophers have to uh, struggle with? If they're in red Chevrolets, they can't do any of their <laughs> their, you know, work on 
<laughs> existentialism or I mean I don't know whether this is um, during the working week or whether this is the weekend this is actually happening yeah and if it is during the working week why is Billy Ray in a red Chevrolet anyway why isn't he in his I, I always pictured that they were kind of like working yeah on the road or something right okay but this is your prejudices coming into play here because right. you're you're thinking that they're beefcake 17 year old men right with glistening bodies right um, but I think they're philosophy students and it's uh, the working day for them right is uh, pondering the in, imponderables of life yeah and why we're here and yeah so their, their working day is you know Schopenhauer and uh Brecht. Right, okay, yeah. So, um... We, Although, obviously, that isn't what attracts the, the, the woman. No. Doesn't really give a shit about... You well, know. I mean, it might have a... Bear, <laughs> it might have a bearing on her singling him out. <laughs> that could be true, yeah. Yeah. But, um... I told Billy Ray in his red Chevrolet I needed time for some thinking. I was just walking by when I looked in her eye and I swore, swore it was winking. Mm. Well, she might have had a glass eye she might have had an eye patch <laughs> so he can only see one eye yeah and because I don't know it's so hot sweat's pouring down and it you know she blinks or something to get the sweat away yeah and you know from there he basically tries to get into her pants yeah he, he doesn't uh, consider the possibility that uh, just a, a lady winking could mean anything other than come here big boy I need you no I think you know that, that there's some kind of arrogance involved in that yeah she was 31 and I was 17 mm. I knew nothing about love she knew everything oh, we, uh, the, the band love yeah definitely who you saw I did recently, yeah, yeah I did see him recently yeah. Yeah. you knew quite a bit about love I did before yeah. you went there <laughs> when you were 17 did you know anything about them uh, I was first introduced to love in 1918, probably. Right, so... so not far off. <laughs> when you were a philosophy student. <laughs> right. So, basically, she was 31 and I was 17. I knew nothing about love. She knew everything. So, she, oh, she had posters on her walls and uh, the love CD box set. 1969, how far advanced were love in their career? Well, they were um, uh, a slightly different lineup from the Forever Changes lineup. Okay, uh, which is what she would be explaining to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I sat down beside her on the front porch swing and wondered what the coming night would bring, well, well be a discussion about love. Yeah, love. <laughs> Who were the members of Love? Arthur. Arthur. Well, the, the original members were Arthur Lee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he sat there with a stiffy waiting for. Some action, yeah, because he's you know thinking, oh, she's hot, yeah. but she's just going on and on about uh, Arthur Lee and the rest of the lineup and the mm. classic lineup. Yeah, <laughs> this was released in 1969, wasn't it? So I, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, the the temperature bothers me because it was a hot afternoon, the last day of June. We really should figure out on a calendar, yeah, what day this was and if it was a working day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or a weekend. Uh, and the sun was a demon. Uh, the clouds were afraid. 110 in the shade and the pavement was steaming. 110 yeah. Fahrenheit, 110 degrees Fahrenheit is 43 degrees Celsius. <laughs> England has never reached such temperatures, ever. Yeah. The highest we've ever had. Well, maybe back in the Jurassic period. But <laughs> 38 is... Uh, what uh, a recent UK record, wasn't it? Yeah, thirty-eight point seven, I think. Yeah. Uh, uh, where was that? I don't know. It's always somewhere sort of quite obscure, isn't it? Yeah. You know, sort of 
Somewhere in Kent. Somewhere. somewhere in Kent. So if this was set somewhere in Kent. Yeah. <laughs> which I doubt very much. No. <laughs> there aren't too many Billy Rays, I wouldn't imagine, in, in Kent. But well, I'm let's, wrong. let's find out how many Billy Rays there are in Kent. Yeah. Back in 1969, because we have to be accurate about this. There's no <laughs> point in... I mean, there may be an explosion of Billy Rays <laughs> subsequent to 1969 because of Billy Ray Cyrus uh. and his achy, breaky heart. The other thing that really bothers me is, uh, well, it doesn't bother me, it just makes me wonder, um, is she says, and, and when she looked at me, I heard her softly say, I know you're young, you don't know what to do or say, but stay with me until the sun has gone away and I will chase the boy and you away. I think, you know, the Sun newspaper have yeah. uh, cottoned onto the fact that she's a serial seductress of... Uh, barely legal young men yeah and uh, I've parked outside her porch yeah with telephoto lens and grubby journalists uh, but they haven't got the staying power to, <laughs> <laughs> to hang around all night waiting for the action yeah uh, they go yeah. maybe when you know a certain time uh, eight o'clock at night or something uh, maybe they get a bit peckish yeah um, and uh, now we don't know if there are other newspapers, tabloid newspaper reporters. Yeah, I mean that could quite easily be not not the British Sun. Maybe it might be the, um, the Chicago Sun newspaper. I think the Chicago Sun. Yeah. Does it ever reach 110 degrees Fahrenheit in Chicago? Well, it may have done over the years, but right. um, well, because uh, it seems to me that uh, the, the Deep South or, or yeah. Death Valley is a more likely location for this. Uh, Definitely. It's, it's got that feel about it, hasn't it? Like yeah. it should be in the sort of south somewhere. Mm. Sort of shimmering heat off the road. and Yeah, when, you know, she's tripping over on tulips. <laughs> uh, well, actually, what does she say? Uh, something about a julep, which is, a, I think, some kind of deep south drink. Isn't it? Let's have a look. She threw back her hair like I wasn't there. She sipped on a julep. Which sounds like she slipped on a tulip. On a tulip, maybe you know, yeah. knocks over a vase of tulips, slips uh, on it. Yeah, because it's so sweaty. And any, ch any, any. Uh, how's your father? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> goes, up, goes up in smoke. How she yeah. spends the afternoon in uh, A and E. Yes, <laughs> afternoon <laughs> and evening because waiting lists are appalling. <laughs> um, and he said uh, her shoulders were bare. When she sips on a tulip, her shoulders were bare, and I tried not to stare when I looked at her two lips. Hopefully, she's uh, got some pants on, yeah. and he's talking about her mouth region <laughs> rather, than, rather than anything else. Thank you. 
Cosby Stills and Nash and I am obsessed with it at the minute it's uh, my current favourite song yeah uh, it's just a, a, an, an amazing piece of music yeah with yeah. those harmonies and that guitar and I have to say that Stephen Stills is a god yeah I mean you showed me a clip recently um, I'm not sure when it was but in the 90s I think yeah because they look like they were in their 50s to be yeah. honest and um, unfortunately Graham Rash looked like a uh, Bruce Forsyth. He did. Yes, he was. He was rocking that Bruce Forsyth look. Uh, but Stephen Stills was man. He was on just amazing, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, and the band was just great. Anyway, that's why we're checking yeah. out. Maybe we could, rec- you know, put a link to that clip to that live performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah. brilliant. It's fantastic. Um, and that song is. Uh, uh, I I don't know. It just really does something for me. Yeah. It shivers down back of my spine. I feel uplifted and inspired by it some art can do that i remember once i was watching um uh you know that classic albums thing they used to do making of yeah i bought a dvd on the making of um pink floyd's dark side of the moon yes and i was watching this in awe thinking this is what human achievement is capable of this what music they can produce yeah and feeling incredibly uplifted and inspired by it yeah yeah and i get the same feeling from this song from what they were doing there from the the the, that, the arrangement of the music the uh the, the melody of uh 
we are leaving yeah. the harmonies that come in um, it's a song about apparently about surviving a nuclear holocaust yeah so not the cheeriest of subjects no. um, but yeah I think that is um, by quite some distance the best song we've played on this podcast for a while certainly my favorite yeah I mean my introduction to that song is the Jefferson Airplane version which, which I have not heard yet. So which, incidentally, um, hmm. they played at Woodstock as well. Yes, so Cosby, Stills and Nash played this at Woodstock, and so did Jefferson Airplane, because they have a joint authorship of this song. Yes, yeah, Paul Kantner, mm. uh, the guitarist, the late Paul Kantner, um, he was the sort of gu- one of the guitarists in Jefferson Airplane, co-wrote that with uh, David Crosby, I yeah. think. And, um, yeah, so my brother, again, I, it's one of those tracks my brother used to play a lot. Um, mm. So back in the 80s, he was very into uh, Jefferson Airplane. Yes. He used to play a lot of stuff. Generally, I remember, seem to remember a Sunday morning, he'd be playing his records and I could hear it through his bedroom door. Mm. And he never let me in to listen to it properly. <laughs> but that's the way we were rolling in the 1980s in my house. Jefferson <laughs> Airplane uh, did Triad, also a Cosby Yeah, yeah, that was, that was due to... that was recorded by the birds but never used right uh it was due to um it was recorded for the the notorious bird brothers oh, okay and uh, there was a big argument over it and it didn't get used it was kind of one of the final straws of when crosby left the birds before graham parsons uh yeah yeah right. crosby left and then started you know yeah a little later on started uh Cosby, Stills and Nash. Yeah. So the the way this would work then, there's a sort of uh, symbiotic uh, cross-pollination of bands going on. You've got uh, Buffalo Springfield, which has Stephen Stills and uh, Neil Young. Neil Young. Yep. Uh, the Birds, which has got uh, David Crosby. Yeah. Um, Jefferson Airplane, yeah. Paul Kavner and Marty Balin. Yeah, Kantner. Kantner, sorry. Marty uh, Balin, yeah. Who also write songs. Yeah, and Grace Slick, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah. And they're all, um, and then Graham Parsons is a solo artist, but also in the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah, he was also in the International Submarine Band. <laughs> was he? Okay. Then he was in the Birds. Right, and, and then, then he, he was in joins the Birds. Yeah, and then he uh, is in the Flying Burrito Brothers, mm. then he's solo, yeah. Yeah, so all these acts, and then obviously you, uh, a bit later you get the Eagles coming in. Uh, all these acts are living together or playing together sharing songs hanging out that must have been fantastic yeah and all in sort of in the sort of uh, all in this summer of uh, 68 and 69 yeah I'm not sure the Eagles were a bit later than that but um, certainly uh, you know the Flying Burrito Brothers and the Birds were still running as well at the same Mm. time you know even after Graham Parsons had left, they had a different lineup and carried on. They, in fact, they carried on making records until sort of about seventy-two, I think. Right. Uh, Buffalo Springfield. Did they survive the uh, departure of Stephen Stills? No, I think they were done by about sixty-eight. Right. So that left him free to join Cosby, Stills, yeah. and Nash. So we had. You sort of made the album with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and they recruited uh, Young. Who was in Buffalo Springfield? Yeah, and right. he's, he's making solo albums, but he's also made uh, Deja Vu with uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Right. Stephen Stills was he released in a band called Wooden Horse. No, no. Okay, no. I got that wrong. No. Stephen Still, uh, Neil Young's band, uh, the band he used was Crazy Crazy Horse. Horse. Sorry, yeah. 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 Um, Stephen Stills also during this period makes a solo record. Right. And he's also got another band called Manassas. Oh, has he? Yeah. Is that worth checking out? 
Yeah, I haven't heard an awful lot of that, but I'm sure it is worth... Manassas, yeah. Stephen Steele was excellent, I was yeah. yeah. Uh, and Jefferson Airplane, who had a bigger hit the year before with yeah. uh, White Rabbit. Yeah, that's probably 67, was that White Rabbit? Um, yeah, they made records right the way through into the early 70s and then they be sort of morphed into Jefferson Starship and, yeah. then, and then latterly into yeah. Starship uh, we, we, we rated them I think <laughs> they're our first uh, fourth rate aren't they Starship yeah whereas Jefferson Airplane are first rate yeah yeah. so Cosby Stills and Nash and uh, then Young yeah. um, are uh, sublime just the some of their songs everybody knows like Our House yeah and the Marrakesh Express yeah. Um, what else would they know? Yeah, I mean, there's a combined. Um, the tracks on that first album, the Crosby, Stills and Nash album, is like I think Marrakesh Express are on, is on there. Uh, Change. Uh, turn, turn, turn. No, that's the birds. That's the birds. Gosh, uh, see, that's the CEO. It's difficult to yeah. separate one from the other. Judy Blue Eyes. Judy Blue Eyes. That's yeah. on that album. Obviously, mm. Wooden Ships is on that album. Mm. There's a track on there called Guinevere. Yes, that's a good song. That's a David Crosby song. Right. Uh, which is pretty good as well. David Crosby still blocked me on Twitter, but I shall keep reaching out to him. Oh, right, okay, yeah. He's never uh, forgiven you for... Uh, no. Uh, ...chastising him about the birds. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and I did meet his son, um, uh, but we still haven't uh, repaired. <laughs> um, in fact, lots of these relationships fell down. Roger McGuinn and David Crosby... Um, uh, Stephen Stills was apparently very difficult to deal with. Yeah. How that man didn't have the shining, glittering solo career of the decade and beyond is be he's just... Uh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's the most talented person in that group, and that includes David Crosby and Neil Young. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they obviously bring... Everybody, all of them bring mm. a lot to the party. I mean, Graham Nash's voice. I mean, I saw him last week. Yes. Yeah. And he was, well, he was 75 when I saw him last year. No, 76 when I saw him last year. Mm. And he was absolutely superb. Mm. So uh, He said he did a version of uh, A Day in the Life. By yeah, the oh, it was brilliant. Yeah, really, really good. And he mm. did all his sort of, his own solo stuff and he bit other bits and pieces. It was well worth that. If you get a chance to see Dick, uh, Graham Nash, go and see him. We will. Yeah. And hopefully one day we'll do a version of the Generation Game theme. Yeah, if we yeah. can talk him round. Yeah. <laughs> Crosby, Stills, Nash, and we'll put Young in brackets, but we'll just, just call them Crosby, Stills, and Nash. First rate, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. First rate. <laughs> All right, <laughs> no discussion. <laughs> yes, they are, yeah, first rate. They are something else, something very, very special. And that song... Um, I'm still thrilled to it. It's uh, I want to go home and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> That's how good. I you get I, I get obsessed about things occasionally. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the things I'm currently obsessing over. Uh, okay, so at Woodstock, um, th they weren't in the film at all. We saw bits of them, and they played um, wooden ships over the credits, didn't they? They uh, did. Yeah. But they, we didn't see any of their performance. No. Um, just refresh my memory as to what they actually played at Woodstock. Uh, hang on. I remember um, when they come on stage, you know, they they uh, famously, it was their second gig together. Second gig? Good Lord. I don't know where the first one was. 
It's probably a working man's club in, <laughs> in Blackpool yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> in Wigan. Yeah. Uh, famously, though, they uh, they tried to get signed to Apple Records, didn't they? And they were turned down. Did they? Yeah, and they did a version. They got turned down by Apple. And they did an au- in their audition, they did a version of Blackbird. Wow. That's uh, probably why they got turned down. And they got turned down. So uh, they went ended wow. up going to, uh, did they go to Atlantic Records? I think they did. Imagine turning down. Cosby, Stills and Nash. I wonder who did that. That's got to be Ringo. What, turn them down? Yeah. No, because uh, the Apple, the um, signing process for Apple was they had to have a two or three members agree, didn't they? Uh, pro- more than likely, yeah. 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 Cosby, Stills, Nash and Young uh, played from 3 o'clock till 4 a.m., uh, they did an acoustic and electric set, uh, and Neil Young skipped most of the acoustic stuff and just came in at the end for the electric. Yeah, he was always, uh, he never played ball, will he? No. <laughs> he will never play ball. He was meant to, uh, they were meant to be, recu- after they recorded Deja Vu, they were meant to be recording another album in 1973, and that never happened. And then they were on tour in, 19- they went on a tour in 1974, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Neil Young famously. Um, dropped out uh, and left a note that said something along the lines of um, uh, life's too short to do something you don't want to do uh, he signed it off with eat, eat a peach nil with what eat a peach yeah, nil eat, eat a peach nil he left a letter for something al- I'm just paraphrasing but he left a note for Stephen Stills in the middle of the tour saying oh uh, my god um, and I think they'd had a sort of tr- a tricky relationship in Buffalo Springfield you know yeah um, but there you go yeah so he's not the most reliable per- person to have in your band no but, but uh, probably worth it I yeah. did read once that he did a set of um, to, to a crowd and didn't play anything they knew <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah just yeah. to annoy them yeah <laughs> can they make an album called um, made an album in the early 80s of electronic music didn't they did he <laughs> and uh, the record company refused to release it or something and said it they uh, took him to court or something something <laughs> happened allegedly something happened and they said it was unrepresentative of his uh, of what he did yeah and he you know so he's very willful isn't he <laughs> you've you know? got to admire that that, that kind of stubbornness of, uh... anyway uh, Woodstock so we've talked a bit about it but if we were there yes. Jeremy in yeah. 1969 the year yeah. of my birth yes um, and we were of age yeah uh, so 17, 18, 19, probably not 17, let's not go back to the MILF song, <laughs> but let's say we're uh, 19, 20 years old, that sounds about perfect, right, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have got any action. No women, Jeremy, would have uh, allowed me anywhere near them. No, because there's people, you know, if you look at those sort of festivals, uh, there's always people half-dressed, mm. naked women, washing in rivers, yeah. uh, dancing, yeah, in there and having lots of free love. Yeah, and I can guarantee that neither <laughs> of us would have got any action. I have no charisma <laughs> or social skills whatsoever in these situations, yeah. and I uh, would never, in a, in a million years, have gotten you know any kind of romantic action. No, and that's obviously in fact, the opposite would have happened. I would have done something to offend somebody, oh. <laughs> and ended up being chased out of Woodstock <laughs> by people with pitchforks. <laughs> And because of my sort of, I've got a tendency to sort of be obsessive compulsive. Yes. So rather than just embro- you know, getting naked and embracing the situation, I'd have probably been worrying about uh, 
I don't know, something ludicrous, yeah. which would have ruined the moment. Yeah, yeah. a bit like uh, <laughs> when um, Alan Partridge gets hypnotised and he's uh, having a relationship with a woman in a car, but uh, he can't help obsessing of whether she's uh, going going the right way or something. Oh right, yeah, yeah. 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 For Woods, for, for for some people, Woodstock would not have been a hippie paradise of free love, drugs, and happiness. No, it would have been, you know, shit. I can't find my other shoe. Um, damn it! Uh, ow! What was that? I've got a scratch <laughs> on my back now. Um, oh no! I've lost my keys. How am I going to get back on Monday? Oh yeah. Oh, there's no toilet paper in here. <laughs> <laughs> Vomiting, um, <laughs> sleepless nights. Um, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely no af- affection whatsoever. Or oh, oh shit, I've missed every other band apart from, <laughs> Grateful, apart from the Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah. It's Joe Cocker. Look, there's celebrities walking among. Oh, it's Joe Cocker. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it would have been like for me. Yeah. I would have had a miserable time. I, I would have got. I wouldn't have probably got there because I'd have been <laughs> still be walking 30 miles <laughs> to get there and I probably would have got picked up by a carload of uh, girls on their way to the festival and none of them would have been remotely interested in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's just what would have happened. If I was 19 or 20, knowing what I know about being, <laughs> ni- about being 19 or 20, mm. Nothing would have happened for me. That's what would have... Uh, my life back there it wouldn't, wouldn't have worked. I would have written a song called Got Me No Action at Woodstock. <laughs> Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. I say it's all right. we end the show with um, a Beatles track and uh, that was uh, Here Comes the Sun um, from Abbey Road uh, in 1969 that was released in about August or maybe September yeah, of yeah. September I think 69 yeah. um, I was just looking and um, 
Here Comes the Sun had one of its recording sessions on uh, 19th of August, 1969. Okay. For, and the album was released till 26th of September. Right, okay. I think that's when the 50th anniversary Yes, indeed. Edition. They're timing it yes. to um, yeah, yeah. 50 years old, Abbey Road. Um, and that's one of the best songs on it. Yeah, it's very um, uplifting, isn't it? If the Beatles had been at Woodstock, yes. and they didn't do any festivals, yeah. but if they had, they would have played that. Yeah, you'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. It's a pity, they, why wouldn't they play that? I don't know. I don't know. You can imagine them starting their set with that, or yeah. ending their set with that. I'm interested, I mean, when you see the Beatles um, you know, on the rooftop mm. um, uh, in January 1969, they're a pretty tight unit. Mm. Uh, it would have been lovely, great to have seen them play again, you know? Yeah. Uh, a proper show. Yes, but, uh, it would have been. You know, another missed opportunity, really. But, mm. uh, yeah, so here comes the sun, um, George Harrison song there. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of, uh, it's, you know, after all the problems of the sort of the winter mm. and the whole Let It Be or Stroke Get Back, get it, uh, get back project, mm-hmm. um, that was kind of a very sort of... Uh, Sort of light, optimistic song. Uh, Indeed, yeah. Apparently, he wrote it in uh, Eric Clapton's garden. Oh, uh, right. Okay. Nice sunny day. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, the the winter before, yeah, when they've been recording, get back. It was where were they? Elstree or something? something? Uh, Twickenham. Twickenham Studios. Yeah. yeah. Um, was uh, the weather was terrible that winter? It was a really bad winter. Right, and they do their rooftop performance in January, yeah. and it's bitterly cold. Yeah, yeah, that's a very good performance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm hoping next year when they do all that sort of let, the let it be sort of get back sort of stuff that Peter Jackson's working on. Yeah, I hope they do an accompanying sort of album or box set with it, you know, which get and put the whole rooftop yeah. concert. That would on be there. great, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'd like to see the whole rooftop concert as a film in itself yes. in the cinema. That would be wonderful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, if they'd been at Woodstock, they would have played that. A couple of other nice, uh, maybe, um, Good Day Sunshine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And now, it's the Beatles question for you, Jeremy. Uh, as always, the uh, Beatles question we're going to end the show with, uh, A, B, C or D, Jeremy? Okay. Um, C. C. Hopefully I haven't asked you this before. Till There Was You yeah. on With The Beatles uh-huh. was originally from which Broadway musical? Uh, it was uh, from uh, The Music Man? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you've uh, had a, a successful run yes. of uh, at least five in a row, haven't you? Getting these right? Yeah, after uh, a bit uh, of a slump after of a the England cricket team. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have to make a few uh, adjustments to my lineup. Yes. Uh, before the next test. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, our Woodstock show uh, was sponsored by uh, Grateful Dead Pot Noodles in a variety <laughs> of tasty flavours. <laughs> <laughs> and on this show, Jer, our Woodstock 50th special, you voted Crosby, Stills and Nash and Young. Let's not yeah. forget him. Uh, first rate. <laughs> uh, Arlo Guthrie. Yeah. Second rate. Yeah. Um, John B. Sebastian, first rate. Yeah. And the Grateful Dead, third rate. Yes. You all right with that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, I'm Vince Staden. I'm Jeremy Waugh. Good night. Good night. <laughs>